I had two options. I could run away from it and hide, or I could step into it. I have opted to step into it. I believe wholly in that the world is what it is. You don't get to pick and choose what your days are. And you can either sulk about that, or you can figure out a way to make it work for you. And that is what I've decided to do. Hi, I'm Gray James, and you are entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and this is the place where we shine the light into the darkness and or find the light in the darkness to prove there is still good out there and lots of it. Welcome to World Gone Good. Did you hear my good news? I am a published author. Yes. Yes. You want proof? Of course you do. Go to Barnes & Noble or Amazon websites, type in Drowntown and my name, Stephen J. Silverman, and you will find it is so. Drowntown is a, and I'm going to quote here, must-read cozy mystery, says L.L. Abbott, the author behind the Lake Pines mystery series. And, I'm going to quote here again, laugh out loud funny with so many twists and turns that keep you guessing, says Amy Pitta, screenwriter and author herself of not one, but two novels. I'd love your support on this new adventure I'm on. Visit Barnes & Noble or Amazon online to grab your copy of my first book ever, Drown Town. Today's show open is going to be a little different. See, for context, I have to start with an article from the LA Times published on June 6th of this year. Headline reads, three arrested outside school board in violent clashes over LGBTQT plus rights. Three people were arrested Tuesday at protests held outside a meeting of the Town Omitted Unified School District Board, where pro and anti-LGBTQT plus demonstrators face off over how schools teach gender and sexuality. Um, real quick here, the reason why I omit the town is at the request of my guest. I should have set that up. So there you go. Law enforcement declared an unlawful assembly after fighting broke out outside the building. The situation temporarily disrupted the meeting, which was about an hour into public comments on an agenda item calling for recognition of June as Pride Month, which board members unanimously approved late in the evening. Earlier in the day, hundreds of protesters had swarmed outside the building, some waving American flags and others waving pride flags, with many documenting the scene with their smartphones. Those who were protesting the board's LGBTQT plus policies chanted, leave our kids alone while naming each of the five members on the board. An attendee named Megan, who declined to share her last name for fear of retaliation, and who said she had a child graduating from the school this Wednesday, called the anti-LGBTQT plus protest heartbreaking. This is a great community. My son has received a great education here, Megan said. Several reports surfaced online that members of the far-right extremist group The Proud Boys were in attendance, with some leaving behind stickers promoting their group. Board meetings have been attended by protesters for the last several weeks with anti-LGBTQT plus activists criticizing district staffers' handling of LGBTQT plus material and policies. This is about specifically gender ideology being put upon and thrust upon our children, said Jordan, last name omitted, who ran unsuccessfully last year 
to join the city council. Um, but he told the times that on Tuesday prior to the meeting. Okay. So that was a pretty long and intense setup, (laughs) but I want to share some quick thoughts. Uh, first of all, the biggest thought from this, and it's no secret, our nation is under assault. It's happening from so many directions at once. If it was just one thing, we could say, okay, that's the thing right there, but it's not. For example, history, black history and slavery specifically is not being taught by fact in some school districts. It is now being taught by, I guess, opinion. Sex education is not being taught at all some places, period. Uh, No pun intended. Books are being banned because someone says they don't want their kid reading it so no one else's kid gets to read it either, whether that parent of the no one else's says they want their kid to read it. And speaking of reading, drag queens holding story time, okay, they are now being labeled as enemies for reading to kids and libraries. Libraries and librarians themselves, same villainized. One community in particular right now is bearing a large brunt of this, the trans community. Now, you may be asking yourself, Steve, where is the good in any of this? And why is this open taking so long? And that, my good friends, that is what we are here to dive into and find out My guest today is all too familiar with this specific event and situation right from the article. He lives in this town where this all happened, and he's become a target, or as he prefers to call himself, a good target. This is Gray James, a queer trans human being. And this is his good story. Well, great. James is here today with us. And we're going to start with the question that I asked so many people, actually not that many people. I just asked it of Angelique Aaron uh, three weeks ago. Great. James, is that your real goddamn name? That is my real goddamn name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's not a name I was born with. It is a name that I have switched over to. It is my legal name. And it was a process of trying to figure out how this person fit a name. You know my friend Laura A. Brody because she's the one who hooked up. How do you know Laura? Laura is an artist. I am an artist. Once upon a time, lived at a place called Ace 121, and it, it was an artist colony. It was low-income housing for artists. It was a lottery. It was apply. Maybe you'll get in. I applied. 4,000 people applied. I got in. And as part of low-income housing, they have to have a series of programming around the building. And Laura and I met each other through that programming. I had first found out about ACE 121 because there was a gallery there for a while. I asked Laura separately to swing by and share her thoughts of when she first met Gray. The person who's the gallery coordinator was also doing classes for the artists who live in this building. And they wanted to do different types of classes. I offered to do one in sewing. And that is where I met Gray. It was the first time I had done this um, as a sewing series. 
and coming in to teach adults. And I love that he was so serious about it. He really wanted to learn. There were only a couple of people in the class who were really, really um, engaged in the process. And he was one of them. And it was he was very excited about it. He's kind of, I don't know, maybe shy. He's a little reticent to talk too much at first. But once he starts going, he's got so much to share. She emailed me and said, you got to talk to my friend Gray. I think he has something here that is good, but it might be a little bit. <laughs> what word did she use? She said it might be controversial. Let's go controversial. That's my word. I don't know if she used it. So let's let's ask this. Do you think you're a controversial person? No, I, I don't. What I was what I was worried about with you, Steve, was that it was going to be too dark and too not good. And I appreciate that uh, you saw goodness in it. So that's number one. I am, in my opinion, I live in this skin, so I am zero percent controversial. Do you think other people think you're controversial? Other people seem to think so, and I haven't quite tapped into why that is and why. It's such a full-blown controversy. Uh, I haven't figured that out. I think we all feel that way. Okay, so here it comes. My audience is waiting. They're like, ooh, they're rubbing their hands together. What's this mysterious topic we're going to talk about today? (laughs) Why don't you give give us a little summary, a little history? Go ahead. A little history is that I live in a town that is Los Angeles adjacent, and it and I've lived here for almost for 20 something years and uh, great, great little community. It's a great place to be. It's very easy. It's very accessible. It's very walkable. It's very bikeable, all things that I do. And at one point I am getting older and I'm getting older and I realized, you know, if I want to go be gay, I have to get in a car, which I don't have. So I have to get on a bus and I have to go to West Hollywood or I have to go somewhere where gay is. And it suddenly occurred to me, why do I have to go somewhere to be gay? Why can't I be gay where I live? And that was something that I ultimately decided to undertake. So what does that mean to us? What it means is that if you're in a community and you have to export your existence to exist, you have to export yourself to another town to be your full self, then something's going wrong in your community. So you have a choice to either continue exporting your queerness to, to places where it's more acceptable or more or easy, or you can choose to be your full self in the community where you happen to live, wherever that happens to be. Do you think that people see that as an affront? Do you think that people see it as you're pushing something on them? Yes. Because you could just go to West Hollywood. You could just go to the Castro. You could go to Chelsea. But why do I have to? Everything is prefaced with, we don't have a problem with gay people, but... It's always, we don't have a problem with gay people, but go bring it somewhere else. So yes, it is an affront. Yes, it seems to be bothering people, and, uh, which is endlessly fascinating to me. How has it come to form in your world that you found out that it's bothering other people? What happened was I was a group of friends and I, we were at East 121 where Laura was also involved. Uh, we ha- there was a gallery there, and Laura has shown in it, and it was a fantastic show. And because I suddenly am an artist with access to a gallery, I'm thinking, oh, this is great. Like, I can have shows, and why not have queer art shows? Because that's a great way to start. We're all artists. So we started doing queer art shows. We did the first one. It was called Queer, and we invited the entire community into it. 
And we wanted to ask people, what makes you queer? Because ultimately, everybody feels a queerness about themselves. So rather than just focus on one aspect of that queerness, why don't we invite the entire community into it and have them express what it is inside themselves. And it was a great show and a lot of people participated. We had a lot of uh, diversity in it. We had a lot of heterosexual people in it. We had a lot of women in it who like, which was curious, like a lot of middle-aged, older women, heterosexual women uh, who uh, responded to the question, what makes you queer? And we wrote the responses down and we posted them all around the gallery in between the artwork. As during that show, during the summertime of that show, it was in June, we did it for Pride in 2018, an educator from the school district uh, stumbled upon it and decided and thought this would be a great idea for the uh, gender sexuality alliances in, in the school district to, be, to maybe be interested in. She reached out to me and I realized that we were doing this show and it was a great art show and we had a great time and we were, we drank wine and we all congratulated ourselves and we all pat ourselves on the back. And there was something not entirely satisfying about it. And when she crossed paths with me, I realized that there's an entire school system full of kids who are dealing with something inside them and they don't see any examples of it in the town that they live in. So whether they're trans, whether they're queer, whatever their queer identity is ultimately going to be, they're questioning this. And they, they live in a town that doesn't, it just isn't, they, they don't see it. They don't see examples of it or the narrative of it in the town that they live. And that's sort of when the light bulb went off and we decided, yes, let's do our next art show. We will do it with the students. And then what happened? So we did that. It was 2019. It was a great show. We did it where we had the kids show in what in the high school uh, before the end of the school year in May. We culled from that show and uh, brought it down to Ace 121 Art Gallery, and and gave the opportunity for the cream of the crop of those uh, of that artwork to uh, join with adult artwork as well. And it was a multi generational show. Now, when you say kids, what ages are we talking about here? Well, we dealt with high school kids and we didn't deal with them. They're, they're educators, the educators in the, um, what is it? The GSA uh, advisors, the GSA advisors did all the coordinating with the kids. We were just there to sort of set, uh, Gary, Nick and I were there to help set it up, to help coordinate it, to help make the aesthetic decisions and to install the show. Uh, so the GSA advisors worked with the kids. We invited, there's eight GSA uh, groups in the school system and they range there's two in elementary schools and then the rest are in junior high schools and in high schools what does gsa stand for it originally stood for gay straight alliance and now it is called the gender sexuality alliance now uh kids who wanted to be involved in this did parents have to sign any participation documentation the parents had to be made aware of it. Yes. I don't know what the documentation process was. What do you think is the positive here about what you all were doing? What was good about it was like we got to connect with that aspect of our community. That aspect of our community got to connect with us. Uh, it was multi-generational. Everybody had a good time. They, they, you have high school kids who got to show in an art gallery, a professional art gallery. They had an opening night. Everybody was there. The city officials were there. They got to experience their own queerness 
in an accepting, open, and normal, normalized environment. And that's an experience. Uh, that's an experience for an adult. That's an ex- that's a hell of an experience for a kid. Yeah, and to be included. Right. And and this is their neighborhood, and this is where they live, and their friends are all here, and their parents are here, and everybody's celebrating and having a great time, and they get to have that. And that was exactly the goal of, of what we were hoping to achieve. Okay, here's a question that we may edit out. Sometimes I say that on the show, and I keep it in. We'll see. Was anything about the artwork sexualized? There was 0% of the artwork was sexualized. When we did the second show with the kids, we invited some artists from all the artists from the first show to participate in it into, into this dual experience kid show. We did get artists who had participated in the first show who wanted to submit sexualized material. And I have, uh, I have a permanently just lost a relationship with one of those artists who just was so angry at me because I wouldn't allow that painting, a particular painting in the second show. It wasn't appropriate. And I, I had to, it was me to make that call. I made that call. It was not appropriate. It was not going to be in the show. Look, I've been there. I do theater. I just did a show this past March. Um, there was nothing sexual about my play, but there was language. There was talk a few uh, back and forth between a few of the couples that, you know, were the adult conversation, right? That we probably wouldn't say in front of younger people. And so I had friends who wanted to come see the show. And a few friends said to me, oh, can I bring my child? Can I bring my daughter? Can I bring my son? Most of the times I was saying, oh, I know your kid of oh, 15, 16, whatever, fine. I had one friend write me and I hadn't seen her in forever. And she said, can I bring my daughter? I said, how old's your daughter? She said, 12. I said, mm, we're right on the cusp. You know what I mean? Right. And I said, well, let me and she's a writer herself, I said, let me send you the pages that I'm going to talk about, you know, that are going to, you know, that might be of concern to you as a parent. And I don't have kids. What the fuck do I know? I got dogs. Right, right. Exactly. My dogs will sit through anything. Um, <laughs> well, within Sorry, reason, have them. within reason, people. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> right, exactly. So I sent these pages to my friend, Laura, and then she like texted me back. She's like, are you kidding? She's like, we say worse shit around here right in front of my kid all yeah. this. So I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I, I get that and I understand that. I understand that they're, you know, obviously you took that into consideration. You know your audience. That's the important part right there is is knowing my audience, right? We're just starting this whole endeavor. This is like this only the second it's art show that we've done. This is a, like, a, a, this is like, and I've said this before, this is gay 101, right? We're in gay 101 in this town. So this is not the time to rock the boat. Like maybe in five years, maybe in whatever years it, it would take, sure, we could reconsider what images go in and don't. But you don't want to disenfranchise your audience and create an uproar at the very beginning of all of the endeavor and risk not being able to make any progress uh, whatsoever. And to that, I would also say this. It's art. Right. And putting anything more into it is something that you're doing on your own. If you say, my kid can't go to this gay art exhibit because dot, 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 fill in the blank, guess what? Your kid is still going to be interested in art, period, whether they're gay or straight. And I think it's always so interesting to me. I had a friend a long time ago when I first started writing, this is like the 1990s, and I was writing all these gay plays. And I took All About Eve and turned it into All About Steve. Um, <laughs> took the, I'm Literally, we did the movie parody, but I did entire sections. 
And we said, we said it, you know, I mean, it's, it's gay. So, you know, it was for an adult audience. It was sexualized, et cetera, et cetera. Well, a very dear friend of mine who's a TV producer came and saw it and she came up to me afterward and she goes, it's very funny. I really enjoyed it. You have to be very careful. You have to be very careful. You don't want to put yourself, you don't want to become a gay writer. Wow. And I was 27, 28 and I'm not that anymore. And I looked right at her and I said, but I am a gay writer. (laughs) Because that's what I am. And that's what I'm trying to say here. And I think that is something that we all forget. And I think you and I can speak to this in a bigger general general way. I didn't choose to be gay. I can't speak for you, Gray. I don't think you chose to be gay any more than anybody else chose to be straight. What I'm saying is, is that parents, you can't change what is. And you can break it down as simple to if your kid likes football but doesn't like baseball, you can try all you fucking want. <laughs> They're still going to just like football. <laughs> That's a bad example, but you get what I'm saying. I was like, no, no, no. That's so good. It's like, go with the sports analogy. They'll, they might be able to grasp that. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's you can't change who they are. They don't know that, but but thank you for trying. Uh, and and they'll, they'll never accept that, but it's it's a worthwhile endeavor. What's interesting about this, this statement that it would make you a gay writer is that it shows even today, even now, even in 2023, that gay is the exception to the rule. Yeah. And the whole endeavor of what I'm trying to do or everything that I'm trying to do is to make gay not the exception to the rule, just to make it part of the rule, uh, to make it uh, an equal consideration uh, within the rule itself. The other thing I'll say to this situation and any situation in the world like this is that times have changed. And I will I will not disagree with what you said earlier, but to some degree I can, because we don't need to go to West Hollywood anymore. We don't need to go to the Castro. We don't need to go to Chelsea, because we have in the palm of our hands the ability to find other people like us just by clicking a button or two. Right. And that's not sexualizing anything. No. That's true of anybody anywhere in any time. You can find a movie. <laughs> remember remember everybody when we had to look in the newspaper? Right, hey, right, right. Remember before that when I had to go and look at the sign? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like the movie theater and go, okay, 720, 910. Okay, I got to remember these numbers. <laughs> yeah, I got to remember those numbers. <laughs> And then there's like a multiplex and you're starting to confuse the numbers and you're like, wait, was it this one or was it that one? Right. And I remember everybody, I remember standing online for Superman 2, sobbing, crying because they were like, okay, seven seats left. And my dad was counting going, we were like 11 back. And thank God there was a family in front of us with like eight kids. And they were like, well, we can't go. And we're like, yes. And we moved up. You know what I mean? In the the queue. In the queue. Here we go. I already just used another one. (laughs) So yeah. what what is the what do you think the fight is about in your heart? What do you think the other side is coming at this with? What what's the problem here? This that's a really really good question and possibly a really complicated question and one that I don't know that I can ever know from the inside um because I'm living inside myself, they're living inside themselves and I don't know what the what's going on over there. Um, there's a couple of things and that is that, uh, and we've touched, you've said this a couple of times around the edges about there's something that equates, there's still something in the queer narrative that equates sexuality and queer, uh, that, that, that's somehow always tied together. And 
part of that is that this community is also evolving. You know, in the 60s, the, the, the queer liberation in the 60s and 70s was attached to the sexual revolution. So it was a very sexualized sort of presentation of this community. And that pendulum is swinging, but the definition of this community isn't swinging with it, either from within or from without. That's not, I don't know. I'm not diagnosing. Um, And now we're realizing there's queer culture and the culture is beginning to be developed as a cultural idea separate from a sexuality idea. And that's something that not everybody seems to be making the leap towards. Yeah, and I could say to you on that note, it's because of a normalcy that has happened and a and an evening of uh, evening of the playing field. And a lot of it came also from marriage equality. I don't like calling it gay marriage. Um, I don't like that. No, it, it isn't because it isn't. I don't like that either. So thank you. When other people get what you have, you don't have less. And it's really coming to terms with that. Even you can put it in terms of, you know, when you go to somebody who goes to a job at a company, if someone else gets a promotion and they're equal to you, you should be happy for them because you're not getting less. They're, everyone's getting the same. I don't want to say in defense of other people because I too can't speak to anyone else. And a lot of people would say, well, you don't have any children. You don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't know what I'm talking about just because. I, I, exactly. I can, I can, I'm the first one to say that and people can roll their eyes or just start laughing because it's true because I don't think any of us no. do. Um, I can tell you way too many stories about that. <laughs> but I also think that perhaps there is a need to protect and that is something that every parent wants to do. Do you, do you see that as a, as a reason for the, the pushback on this? Because I want to talk a little bit about what the pushback is has been. The need to protect from what? A hundred percent. Like, what is it they're protecting? What is it that's the affront? What is the affront to them? And what is it that they need to protect their kids from? That that I don't understand. I mean, they. I hear comments about, um, you know, my being in third grade is too soon to hear about. Uh, you know, queerness, but it's a person. It's not, I don't know what they're referring to about the queerness. There's gay people on earth. I mean, it's just a reality. There's all sorts of people on earth. That's a reality. So why is it too soon to learn about other human beings and and what makes it too soon and what's wrong with the other human beings that they see it as too soon? The same is true about talking about um, specifically black history and slavery and all the things that did happen for fear. I mean, I think it's fear-based. I think that's a big part of it. Um, I also think that we live in a culture where the norm and expectation is man, woman, procreate, have children, keep society moving. Man, man, woman, woman are not doing that. They don't have the capability to do that. However, other than they do, other than they do, but not in the way that makes me comfortable, not in the way that I have been raised, not in the way that I have been taught. I'm not going to get into religion because religion and schools are supposed to be separate. So we'll just leave that right there. <laughs> <laughs> How's that going? 
and I'm not laughing at anybody's religion either because that's the thing is like you know like we learned in we learned in Florida like if you're gonna let all the religions in there was some some satanic um school or cult or something that got approved for a club because they said hey listen if you're gonna say every religion this counts and it does so what has happened that has been briefly here what's been the negative here what's happened recently that is what's the fight that's happening the fight that is happening is the fight that is happening all over the country and that is that a playbook has been written by a small group of people who make a lot of noise and the playbook is how to manipulate other ears and how to manipulate communities towards personal gain. And that's the broad stroke of, of what has switched. So it's that people are realizing there's a way to manipulate a community to benefit themselves financially or with oppor- personal opportunity. So they're manipulating um, their community uh, towards that end. You don't have to give in to bullying. This is Laura Brody coming back on for a moment to share her thoughts on the matter. You're not all alone. There are people who can support you. And that the way that you stand up to bullies is to speak out, is you make it public. That is the way that we can fight it. And that's the good all the time. Because it's easy to have things be good when it's going nicely, right? It's when things are harder and when... When there's pushback, when people are getting cruel, that you really see how you can stand up. And what can you do? What can we do to educate them, to bridge the gap? What are you doing? Trying to do? That's a very good question. And this is the, the response to what can be done is split because different people have different styles. I can name four people right now who are, who want, whose response is we need to have conversations with these people. We need to educate these people. We need to um, find common ground with these people. And I support that 100%. It doesn't happen to be my style. I don't think, I think I could talk somebody like a Donald Trump until I'm blue in the face. And he's never suddenly going to say, what was I thinking all this time? You're right. Like that isn't just never going to happen. And there, and I have, I am more of a realist. I think that there are people on earth that are what they are. And you just have to take it, take, you just have to leave it alone because, and figure out how to manage it in a different way. So yes, there's people who want to educate people and, and step into that. That doesn't happen to be my style. Regardless of what your style is, I still think that it comes down to a numbers game and a voice game. And the the biggest thing that anybody can do for any of this is whether you have, whether you have a kid in the school or not, whether you have, this is still your community. This is your school in your community and you are part of that community. The most important thing people can do is show up. I think that sometimes people get so afraid to deal with conflict that they are not willing to put themselves out there. But please, and do not forget, at any point, you can be the other. Quite literally. Um, It takes nothing. And the way that you make sure that you and your children and your children's children and all of the people around you can be free to be the best people you are is to stand up. 
and to take note when this happens. This isn't outside. This isn't just something that's happening outside over there. This is happening in your own backyard. Please pay attention. Please stand up. And also reminding each other that we have to coexist together. And you made a very valid point. You can go blue in the face. And I have friends and relatives who are giant MAGA heads. And sorry, I'm going to use that. They are proud of it. They're proud of it. They own it. Great. Not my thing. I'm not going to try to change you on that. But I'm not equally not going to allow you to change my world to fit that narrative. Exactly. Because we have to coexist together. And I want to point something out to any parent listening, wherever you are in the world. (laughs) You can't change your kid. (laughs) You can try (laughs) all you want. And you'll you'll have them until 17, 18, whatever the year is. And that's all you're going to have. Why why are you banging your head into a wall? Why aren't you just learning to coexist and love one another as you are? I'm going to say something, and you are welcome to edit this out. Uh, but I believe that there are parents who would rather a dead kid than a queer kid. And I'm just convinced of that at this point, uh, based on the environment that I'm in. Um, And I think that's the saddest, saddest loss and thing that I could possibly, uh, yeah, that's, I I can't believe how sad that is. Um, I'm going to say two things to that. One is, there's an old adage, I've said it on here so many times, over 150 episodes almost here. You can be right, or you can have a relationship, you can't have both. Right. Right, 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 right. When you can understand that, anyone listening and 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 people will fight me on that. I'm going to be right, and you're still going to have to go to with me to Mother's Day. No, I'm not. You need to make a choice and stand by your choice, and we'll have to again coexist. I'll also say this: my father wanted two baseball players. He had three kids, a daughter, and two sons. Both sons turned out gay. <laughs> Both sons. <laughs> Both sons are into theater and writing and musicals, and my father showed up for every musical, every piano recital. My parents were at front row for All About Steve, and no one laughed harder than my dad because my father is a film buff, and my father knew every line. And we did the simplest silly things. There's a moment in All About Steve, All About Eve, rather. (laughs) Look at me. Look at me thinking I'm something. In All About Eve. They decide to shoot this ridiculous walk that Eve takes with um, uh, Addison. And they put this horrible, horrible green, like not even green screen, just like a projection behind them. And they're just sort of stomping their feet. And people like supposedly walk around them. It makes no sense. We redid it on a, a really bad treadmill. And we use little birdies and clouds on, on sticks above their heads and we purposely, you could see our hands and stuff. And my father just loved that. He said, oh my God, that's that moment. But my father embraced what he had. Now, when my brother first came out in the 80s, my brother's five years older than me, it was not a good time. My father was very angry. My father did not want this. Right. But when it was my turn, which was many years later, my father turned to me and said, you can tell me anything. We'll always be best friends. Wow. And he chose to have a relationship. And that's what we always had. In his world, is this what he wanted? Probably not. <laughs> but. Was he able to circle back with your brother and uh, have that relationship? Oh, yeah. 
And we went nice. to baseball games with him. My brother's a giant, a giant Boston Red Sox fan, so we had plenty to talk about. I was going to ask you if your sister was a baseball player. <laughs> no, right. my sister's. Like, we're all artists. We're all artists. My parents don't know where it came from, but that's that's the thing. I I mean, they so many people don't want to admit it, but so much anger comes out of fear. It's just fear. You're just scared. And your kid is going to be your kid no matter what you do. Let's move forward in our conversation here. What's happening next? What are you moving forward with? Are you moving forward with another art installation, art exhibit? I think that's actually not a bad idea to to get back to our roots a little bit and to think about how to do what to do with that. Um, the the gallery that I no longer live at Ace One Twenty One. I moved out. I took another job, and I'm a res. I I I. I moved out and the gallery uh, over COVID went dormant for a bit. And I think it's time to start thinking about doing uh, some art shows again with community and with the schools. So here's the really hard question that we're going to have to ask you. What is good about this situation? What good have you found in yourself through the situation? The good is that there is a massive pushback right now uh, it, against queer voice in this town. And it is having the side effect of making queer voice stronger and louder and more secure uh, in its purpose in this town. And what good have you found in yourself during this process? That's still being decided. <laughs> uh, there is a lot of negativity on me. There is a lot of attack on me. There is a lot of misrepresentation of me. There is um, a lot of a lot of energy being put towards targeting me, and I am learning to live with that. I am learning to. It's almost become my new normal, which is really awful. Uh, but I'm, I have to, I have to, I, there's, I had two options. I could run away from it and hide, or I could step into it. I have opted to step into it. I believe wholly in that the world is what it is. You don't get to pick and choose what your days are. And you can either sulk about that, or you can figure out a way to make it work for you. And that is what I've decided to do. How do I make this work for me? How do I step into this? How do I own it? How do I declare the reality of it? And then ultimately uh, make it work for me. And that's an ongoing process. Have you been able to pour this into your own art? What I'm doing with it art-wise and what art has always been for me is safe space. And that continues to be the case. Uh, when I am standing in front of a painting, when I'm working on a painting, I am 100% entirely enveloped in safe space. So, you know, that was something that served me when I was coming to terms with myself in the very beginning of my life. And it turns out that it is something that is serving me uh, on the other arc, end of the arc of my life. Where can people find you, support your projects, and get to know you better uh, in the world of social media. You can follow us on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter at Glendale out. It's all one word. The last two questions go back to anything we already talked about or anything you want to say. Question number one is this, who inspires you? Wow. Um, 
And if I get choked up, edit it out, please. What inspires me is I'm surrounded by a lovely community of support of people I don't even know. And it's made all the difference. And I'm so grateful to them and just so fortunate to have it. Uh, and yeah, that inspires me. And the final question is not a question. It is a statement to finish again. It can be anything you want to say. Tell me something good. Something good is the other person that has inspired me recently is John Lewis. And John Lewis had the statement of being, uh, being good trouble. And I've started really thinking about being good trouble recently. And because I'm a target in my community, I've adapted the phrase uh, to, to be, uh, be a good target. One of the things that I'm stepping into is being a good target. And I appreciate the influence of his entire life uh, towards what, what our interactions with our world and with our community can be. Thank you, Gray, for sharing your good. If you're a member of the LGBTQT plus community being bullied, you don't feel safe, or you just need someone to talk to, please call the Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender National Hotline at 888-843-4564. And if you're someone with a family member who is struggling, or maybe you're the family member who's struggling, no judgments, please call The Trevor Project at 866-488-7386 or visit pflag.org. Next time on World Gone Good. I feel like we need to be intentional about having a good day. It doesn't matter what type of shit is thrown at us. We need to not let bad moments turn into bad days so we need to be intentional have a good day on purpose and the your welcome is because i know that this is the advice that you didn't ask me for but but i gave it to you anyway you're welcome <laughs> alethea crimmins is the thanksgiving week guest you didn't know you needed but i promise you're going to be very very thankful for over 1.5 million followers on TikTok and 547,000 plus on Instagram show up for her daily affirmations where she is pimping positivity. That's also the name of her new podcast, which we will be chatting about, along with how growing up with a stutter changed her life, why we all need to remind ourselves we are enough, and how preschoolers can destroy you and your self-esteem if you let them. Alethea is the ray of good light that you may have seen recently on the Jennifer Hudson show. And you know what I say, if it's good enough for J-Hud, it's good enough for me, good enough for you, good enough for all of us. You'll give good thanks for our next new episode. Until then, be good. <laughs>